0: Okay, welcome everybody to another episode of the X Ex-Mormon podcast. We are joined today by Sister. <laughs> uh, so we have our first female guest. I'd say that women are underrepresented in most uh ex-Mormon, post-Mormon podcasts. So we're grateful to um to have a woman on our show. And we've given her the pseudonym of Sister because we believe that's fitting for all women who are in or formerly of the church that You really have no individual value. You are just part of the amorphous blob of women, right? Yep. (laughs) So we've given her the name of sister. So thanks for joining us, sister.
1: Thanks for Uh, having me, guys.
0: So we're going to talk about chastity and the LDS view on chastity. Um, So before we get started, there's this uh, pop song by Garfunkel and Oates going around uh, called The Loophole. And it kind of talks about how in fundamentalist churches, um, people look for loopholes to vaginal intercourse because they believe that it's really only breaking the law of chastity if you have vaginal intercourse. Everything else is kind of a gray area. So it's about basically having anal sex to avoid or to preserve vaginal virginity. And you get some other things that you hear about at BYU, kind of like oral is moral or Levi loving. Have you guys heard of Levi loving? Mm-mm.
1: Mm-mm.
0: No. no. So that's just the, or the, like the BYU condom also a pair of no. Levi jeans. It's just like dry humping. Pretty
2: oh, okay,
1: much. And soaking. Right? I've heard of like uh, yeah. Soaking. <laughs> soaking. Yeah, and, right.
2: and there's, and there's docking too.
0: Is docking or docking and soaking the I same think it, thing? I where think, you think you just,
2: it's just the same thing where you're in you there, but you're not in, doing you anything. Yeah, a, which I'm like, what you know, yeah. I it's stupid. It's uh, there, yeah. There was well, like
0: a seventy who was excommunicated in like the fifties or something like that, or maybe he avoided excommunication. But what he was arguing was was that he'd only inserted himself a certain number of inches, and because he had only gone in like three inches or four inches, it wasn't totally breaking the law of chastity, and the brethren should be more lenient,
2: right? So if, if you're a guy and that's, and that's all you've got, then, you know, It's do whatever only four you want. inches guys.
1: Oh my gosh. What if you're only four inches? Yeah. What if you're only Not three?
2: Right? Then, then you have to get in there for if you free only got three to give.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh-huh. I, like, that's a common thing with, I think probably if we talk to some ex Muslims or ex Jehovah's witnesses, I think any kind of intense, religion with a lot of rules, especially around chastity, you end up with a lot of loopholes and like Mm -hmm. weird loopholes to a point where you're like, you might just be better off doing regular fucking. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there was a guy on missions, uh, sorry, Mormon stories. And he was a Bishop, a former Bishop. And he said one time he had a 16 year old girl come into his office and confess to having anal sex. And he, he's like, I'm like a, car dealership manager or something like he's just i've got no idea what to do but what i do know is that what this girl is doing has a lot more there's a lot of other risks she could seriously hurt herself if so i just told her to talk to her doctor because i didn't have the tools you know to deal with this but
1: thank goodness he actually said that Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah not all of them but but i think that actually goes on like just um, sex education is so lacking for so many LDS people. I remember like even as a child like I had to stay out of sex ed at school like my mm-hmm. parents wrote a note and yeah. I couldn't even attend sex ed me class.
0: too me too
1: right so there's a lot of I think just people not being educated at all about any tort- sort of sexual behavior. Yeah were, right? were
0: you uh, were you the only Mormon in your school or did you have other Mormons in your classes?
1: No, I come high school, I guess there was a few, but I, um, I grew up in an area that wasn't predominantly Mormon. Right. So even, even as an adult in this area, like some of the, I don't know how common some of those things, like the loopholes that you're talking about were, I feel like they might be a little bit more predominant in when it's concentrated areas, like in Utah or or like Idaho, or I don't know, Hmm. I'm, I'm making an assumption, but that could be the case?
0: Well, I think, I think when you're around more normal people, it's easier to just do things that normal people do. Right. But when you're around so many Mormons and there's so much judgment, there's so much intensity, it's kind of like, Oh, and, and all the, all your dating prospects are also Mormon, right. Where it's like, everybody else has kind of got this messed up mentality too. So it's not just one person who's feeling guilty. It's two people who are feeling guilty. So the two of them have to come up with a way to mm-hmm. get what they want without breaking the rules.
2: Well, and there's, right? I, mm-hmm. I I, think there, it depends on who the person is too, because some people have a need to fit in. And so they'll like, they'll just, at school, they just won't be Mormon. Whereas I was the opposite. I mm. like, I like being the odd one out, being the weird one. And so, you know, walking into class with the note from my mom saying, I can't watch that R-rated movie. I was like, I'm awesome. Like I get out of this assignment, you know, like that's what I was thinking. And I was like, I don't care if people are like, oh, you know, Elder Jackson's that weirdo over there, right? I didn't care about that. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm different. Check me out, I'm a light on a hill, you know? And like, I got like a high off of it. And so I think it also depends what kind of end of the spectrum you are because right. you know you get people who move somewhere new and their accent gets thicker, or sometimes it disappears, and it yeah. depends mm-hmm. on whether or not psychologically you care more about fitting in and belonging, or you would rather stand out, and so right. I, I think that makes a big difference too on our experience um, with peer pressure, uh, you know, especially on chastity things.
0: I was also uh, not in sex ed but my mom a- answered like all my questions from the youngest age and it was usually like point blank factual information so and i was like mom where do babies come from she's like well, well the mommy and daddy love each other very much dad puts his, pee- his vagina you know, yeah it's always just like straight straight yeah. answers so i never had like a lot of curiosities um and it was just mom i heard about a condom on the news what's a condom oh a cond- it's con. you know you use it barrier protection whatever right um So, my parents answered a lot of questions, but they kept me out of the classes. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, so I was always the weirdo. And other Mormon kids were in sex ed. I was the only Mormon kid who was not in sex ed, which made me even weirder.
2: Isn't that the worst when you're, like, the weird one of the weird ones? And people are like, but the other Mormon kid is watching that movie. And I'm like, my parents are just more orthodox. They weren't. I would ask them to get me out of the movie because – yeah, good excuse to skip class. What movie, what movie was it? Uh, I think it was V for Vendetta. And then, like, because I, like, I was like, oh, mom, it's R-rated. And she's like, well, do you want to watch it? And I was like, no. She's like, okay. And she, like, just signed no. And then I take it to my teacher, and my <laughs> teacher's like, okay, well, I guess you can leave class during that yeah, time. And I just to go mall. to A&W and, like, get a burger, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I really liked milking the Mormon thing when I was in school right (laughs) it worked for me so I'm I'm curious because I had a similar relationship with like my parents as far as sex ed goes as Bishop Jensen did where I would ask a question my parents would answer it sometimes better than others Uh, but what about what about you sister like was it you know did you still get that education or was it like completely lacking
1: no, I would say like in some aspects, like when I was really young, I had the same, I think there was like a, a book about like, babies don't come from storks or something like that. And my mom taught, I, I did get the basics. I, I definitely got that. But as soon as I got a little bit older, when I have questions about how certain things like, you know, whether you're not, how do you get pregnant, like exactly, or like your your menstrual cycle or um, birth control like things that would be helpful to know as you're older like some of those things never happen it was just always like abstinence 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 mm. like that's the only answer for everything um so I definitely think I had to take it upon myself to either like I would ask peers or I ended up going to I think there's like a, a health center in town that I went and actually got like sex ed pamphlets or like talk to a counselor there because I wanted to be informed.
2: Interesting. So, yeah. That is really interesting. You just went out on your own. You're like, fine, I guess I'll
1: have I'm to get that I'm a very inquisitive info. mind. So yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. where it took me. But that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to know.
0: <laughs> were you like on par with your peer group or were you even in that regard, like your curiosity and just going down to the health center and figuring things out for yourself, were you kind of unique that way?
1: Um, I do think in some ways I was, but, uh, it's interesting because when I was younger, like at, at school, I was definitely like, people called me churchy at school, Mm -hmm. which was, I don't know how I necessarily felt about it, but, um, I really, I think, I think there's like this, as a woman in general, I think like women's sexuality always, Seems like it kind of doesn't exist or people don't want to talk about it. So, as I got older and I was starting to like date guys, I was interested in just being informed and making good decisions, right? Because one, like I didn't want to catch an STD if I was just like messing around a bit with somebody or STI, I should say now, or, uh, you know, I had a serious boyfriend at the time and things were starting to get a little bit more intense and we were in love. And so I was like, well, I don't want to have a baby. So I need to figure out how to not have a baby, right? Like these were things that happened. Um, But uh, I don't know if I can share a little bit about that relationship maybe and how that kind of evolved. Um,
0: Share as much as you want.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, chastity is such so much ingrained in, In all members of the church, but I feel like for women and for girls, I should say like it's your worth is so much tied up in your virginity and um, you also have this like um, weight on you that the way you are, the way you act or even the way you look can send improper messages uh, like thoughts into your peers and it, it just just really messed up. Like just to kind of regress a little bit and go back. Like I remember sitting in a bishop's office for like a temple men, te- temple recommend interview when I was maybe like twelve or thirteen, and like I was so innocent, like so innocent. And he's like, "You must really have a hard time with boys, don't you?" And oh, I'm like, "No." no. Like, so uncomfortable, right? Like, sitting in a room alone with this, like, 50-year-old man asking me these, like, questions. And it was so uncomfortable. But um, anyway, uh, there's, there's always this, like, this feeling inside of, like, this shame and repression that you have to have. And then also this curiosity and sexuality that you have just as a human being. Like, we all have that. So as the relationship progressed with this person who, you know, he was not a member of the church, um, we ended up having sex. And, you know, a few months later, we ended up breaking up and I was so devastated by that because I thought that like my worth was so much tied up in that, in, in having, I guess my virginity. And because that relationship had dev- dissolved and I wasn't gonna marry this person, it was like awful. Like, yeah, I was suicidal. It was, it it wrecked me for a really long time. And then it kind of followed me into adulthood as well. Like as i um, as I started dating within the church and I had gone through the repentance process, like, man, every time I had interviews after that, um, you know, I related Bishop Jensen to what you were talking about in your podcast about like different um, mission presidents or bishops, like dredging up things that you had repented of in the past and, and rectified. Like it was awful. It always get trudged up. And then in the dating pool, when things would get serious, like I had this boyfriend that we were talking marriage and love. And when my lack of virginity came up, it was like game over. Our relationship completely dissolved after that. And it was absolutely devastating. And it even was an issue with my husband now when we were dating, like it, it it didn't amount to much, but there were some hard conversations there. And what I found so interesting about the, the aspects um, uh, that the church holds so dear of the atonement, like this atonement, anything you do, you know, the the savior is going to basically cover if you've repented of it like for whatever reason the atonement does not apply to female females losing their virginity like it just doesn't apply because somehow you've wronged that guy that you're Mm. maybe gonna marry because you didn't hold out for them but i don't think it applies to guys the same way that it does to, to to females
2: yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a difference in perspective for guys. Cause like for guys, I remember growing up, like I had bishops ask me about masturbation and stuff. When I was 12, getting my interview for the ironic Priesthood, the The bishops, he, I, he was like, do you keep the law of chastity? And I'm like, yes. And he, he says no masturbation or anything like that. And I was like, I was thinking, I'm like, I don't really even know what that is. I, I had done it by then, but I didn't know that's what it was called. So I'm like, yeah, no, like, I'm like, I don't know. And then later bishops said, oh, like, you know, every guy does it. I had young men's leaders be like, oh, yeah, I felt really guilty. And I went to talk to my bishop and he was like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, there's such this like, oh, every guy does it. We had bishops come in and, and say, oh, if a young man comes to me and he says he hasn't looked at pornography, I'll think something's wrong with him you know so there's this total difference in culture between the the men and the women in the church because yeah growing up it was like of course you're going to do that you're you're a boy and then girls for for the young women in the church it's like you are so <laughs> sacred and of course you would never do something to sully that and i've talked to girls who they're they're like oh no like i i masturbated now it's all over and You know, that was not the message that I got as a guy.
1: No, because for girls, you're a vessel for motherhood. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what you are. And you shouldn't have, like, you don't have sexual feelings. Like, you're a vessel to carry children.
2: It is a weird, weird thing. Because then guys are treated, like, in this weird way. Like, oh, you're just, like, sexual beasts, you know. And if a girl Mm -hmm. walks in wearing a tank top, like... You're going to not be able to control yourself. And I'm thinking, why are you like, you're teaching guys that they're uncontrollable monsters, but that's fine. And then girls, it's your responsibility to like take care of that. You know, it's just this weird, total backwards messaging. And then um, like I imagine that causes a lot of issues. I've heard of people having guilt even like on their wedding night. Because they're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that, even though it's like, oh, no, it's fine once you're married, Uh all of a sudden.
0: I think, yeah, women, I think, get uh, the burden of chastity gets put on women a lot, right? They're like, the church has tried to move away from that, but I think there's still a persistent cultural meme that women are responsible for safeguarding their own virtue and the virtue of all men. And then on your wedding night, it's, well, now you have to do the exact opposite thing. Mm -hmm. of what we've told you you're home now you have to be hypersexual because on it like the messaging that men get and i think jessica that this is the the guy you're sorry sister the guy you're with before i would just imagine like from being a guy in the church is that you there's so much pressure to hold out to not masturbate no relief valve of any kind that whether it's explicitly said or implicitly said a virginal woman on your wedding night is the ultimate prize. That's why you went on your mission. Oh yeah. That's why you did Mm -hmm. everything you do is to claim this prize. And if that prize is sullied in any way, it's like, no, what did I go on my mission for? What have I, when all my friends are going to the strippers and I didn't, or, you know, I didn't watch any porn. I didn't master. I did not do anything. Yeah.
1: That's, I mean, that's something that a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, but, enough mission presidents propagate to missionaries, right? If you're a good missionary, you're going to have a hot, righteous wife when you get home, who's like held out for you, right? Like this ridiculous. Yes. yeah. Hmm.
0: I think the flip side though, which is interesting. And it's only kind of come together for me as we've been talking about it is the way men view a woman who's lost her virginity is the same way. I think women view a man who has looked at porn at any time in his life. Um, Mm Because I know when I was dating, if anything, we got a little bit more serious. Be like, you never looked at pornography, did you? And be like, was I a teenager in the digital age? Yes, yes. Pornography was definitely a part of my life, but it's like I. It would be like if you answered that question wrong, you were a degenerate. Sure, you're subhuman, right? And it's weird because it's like the church is okay with guys having sex; they're not okay with a bucket porn. Church doesn't really, I don't know, even think that women are sexual enough to look at porn or masturbate, but if they have sex, it's the worst thing, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I I remember there was one YSA lesson I heard about in Relief Society, though, where it was like, (laughs) this was a weird Sunday when I heard about this. I was like, what the heck? They had a Relief Society lesson where basically the gist of it was that All those guys in elders quorum down the hallway have looked at porn and (laughs) and, and like, and then there was like something about, you know, like a man should be over that before he's with you, but you can't hold that against him or something, you know, but then in elders quorum, there was like, you need to find a pure and righteous woman.
0: Yeah, there's so no there way. is like a difference
2: yeah. in expectation, like a hundred and ten percent. Yeah,
0: there is there is no way that that conversation would come back in the inverse and elder's curve in Elders Courtman anyway. There would be no way. Hey, look, times are changing. Ninety nine percent of the women in that room probably slept with some guy. Get over it, right? That convers would never be had, right?
2: <laughs> right, right, yeah. Um, and
1: I, you know, along with the porn thing, I do find it fascinating that maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I've read a statistic that Utah has like the highest streaming mm-hmm.
2: yeah. right of yeah. porn.
1: So I'm like, can we not look at that a little further? Like, why? And I think it comes again to like, yeah, how we talk about chastity, our sex education, all this stuff, like something's got to change because- Uh, Yeah. If if porn is such a big issue and, you know, it can be an issue in relationships for sure. But like, let's look at the deeper root of why so many people are watching it then like, right. Yeah. It's it's repressed sexuality.
2: Yeah. 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 And
1: shame that people have. Right. So.
2: Yeah. Like it's a huge, huge problem. I'd love to get like the internet history of like all the routers at byu just to just to just out of curiosity and it's like huh this is really interesting and i think people also in in the church talk about pornography as like oh that's a thing guys do and then i imagine because from what i understand a lot of women view porn as well like that would make sense right and but then in young women's they're like, like they're, it's talked about as like, that's a problem the boys have. And then Mm -hmm. girls are sitting there like, oh, so I'm like different in some way. Like something's wrong with me because this is a boy problem, not a girl problem. (laughs) And so I think there's just so little conversation around it. And then, yeah, like there's, like you said, there's no release valve. There's no way that we're allowed to build like healthy relationships where where, we're allowed to Build those relationships and get to know somebody on that intimate of level because it's totally off limits, right? hmm Yeah. Yeah. All oh,
0: right.
2: Yeah. Um
0: Uh any other thoughts on this point?
2: I'm all I'm You're good? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we've covered it.
0: Yeah. Anything else? Uh sister? Sister.
1: I don't
0: think so. Okay. I think it's, if we were to go with the assumption that the church's standards on sexual purity or chastity or whatever you want to call it, if we assume that is the correct thing, right? You'd have to ask yourself the question, why is this correct? And why would we want to do things this way? And I think it's about controlling women right about controlling the vessels of childbirth right so one thing i think with the church if you get into it with any mormon about anything that's controversial they will defend anything that they see as justifying or building mormonism so Hmm. i got into it with a bunch of members about interviews and they would defend the bishop's right to ask prodding questions like to their dying breath. And I was like, nowhere in scripture does it say you have to do this, but this thing seems to be integral. Why do you have to do it? And it's because it, it's a mechanism for making Mormons be Mormons. So in the viewpoint of a Mormon, it's justified. Right. And so I think trying to control women, trying to control when and how and who with they have children is about building Mormonism, They need women to be controlled sexually so that they only date Mormon men so that they only have sex with Mormon men so that they only give birth to Mormon babies.
2: Keeping it all pure. Keep it in the family. Keep it in
0: the family, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like, unfortunately,
0: but I think, like, I think that's why that would be viewed as a correct reason for doing things. But I think like you just end up with a lot of, um, you get so you get bad consequences from that. Right.
1: Dysfunction really. Dis,
0: exactly. Dysfunction. Yeah. Right. And uh, well, it's interesting to me, like why I, like, I was really thinking about it. I was like, why would people care so much about women's virginity? Really?
2: Hmm.
0: Right. Why, who cares? Like, why did anybody ever start caring? But it's about children. Right. And, and the children in the future and and carrying on the future of whatever your family the family farm, the family business, or the Mormon Church, right? That's I think mm-hmm. that's why they care so much.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think you know I, I'd have to think and explore it a little further, but a lot of it, like you said, comes down to control. Absolutely, controlling women, like, and that that isn't necessarily unique to Mormonism, but because it's so patriarchal, mm-hmm. it's just like amplified. Yeah, by like a thousand, right? Like, (laughs) like I feel like in society now we're finally having conversations about like rape culture a little Mm -hmm. bit more about, um, you know, so what if a woman wears that outfit? Like it doesn't mean she's justified in getting raped or what if she had a drink? It's not just, there's no reason she should have been sexually assaulted, Mm -hmm. but still we kind of like buy into those conversations in the church and it just kind of propagates a lot of like really dangerous thinking
0: yeah like i'd say one thing that i picked up on whether it's rape culture western culture whatever um was that guys are just mad dogs yeah and so i remember like even i'd be on a date and i can't i'd get caught like checking someone out or something like that and get called on it but i was just like look guys just look we're visually stimulated or whatever like there were all these things i got told that it was just like, Oh, I'm a mad dog. I can't help myself. <laughs> right. Um, but really it wasn't like maybe, I don't know, five years ago, 10 years ago, I was, I, I was walking down the street and I saw a nice looking lady and I checked her out. And then I re- for some reason the thought came to my mind. Do you know what? That woman woke up this morning, put on her pants one leg at a time. Like everybody else, she's on her way to work or she's rushing to, run an errand she's doing something and really she did not think a bunch of guys are going to try and check her out this morning she's just some person trying to live her life and here i am i was just like oh like if you're really trying i don't know just think about and empathize with a person going about their date it's like just leave them alone stop checking them out stop looking like that just don't right they've got every right to mind their business in peace and not kind of <laughs> have a bunch of leering eyes on them. Right. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it was, I don't know. I had that one thought. And then after that it's like, Oh, I don't really care if I check out anybody ever again. Cause they're just people trying to live their life and I don't have to mm-hmm. be some kind of mad dog. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we get like a little bit obsessed with that. Like I have, I have sisters and, and growing up, it was always like, listen you got to set a good example for your brothers and you know like you have brothers and blah 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 you know like think about your brothers it was always this weird uh you know guys are animals thing and instead of instead of just being like hey listen listen (laughs) it doesn't matter what somebody's wearing just like be a decent human being there's some great advice yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah, it, it actually like propagates again, like toxic mas- masculinity mm-hmm. too, right? Like being accountable for your own thoughts and mm-hmm. actions or just like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just so messed up. <laughs> it's just yeah. so messed up the, yeah. way, the way we teach children from a very young age in the church to like think this way that, yeah, boys, you have no control. You have no control and girls, you have to, you have to keep everyone, you have to keep them in check, really. Yeah, yeah. like, Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. An interesting question, maybe. Coming out of the church then, like leaving and moving on,
1: mm-hmm.
2: how did you like unpack this? How did you say, okay, so that was like what I was taught as a kid and in this religion I was part of. How did you unpack it and say, this is, this is what I think now and, and kind of – I guess, change, change your viewpoint.
1: It's interesting because when I looked at myself personally and my own actions, I felt very different about my own actions versus my friends who were not LDS. Cause I, hmm. predom- most of my closest friends actually weren't LDS. And so I, I felt like I held myself to a different standard So when I kind of left the church and before I even left, when I was really uh, dissecting a lot of these thoughts, um, I started looking at myself with a lot more empathy, I think, um, through it all. And also just feeling like really bad that I bought into so much of that. And it's it's really shaped the way now that I parent my children. Like um, I have daughters and we talk about, a lot of things openly at a very young age, age appropriate, of course, but like start with things like consent and then like understanding our bodies and like using proper terminology. Like I just want to have this open dialogue and for them to also like know that they're, yeah, they're in control of themselves and like they're not responsible for anybody else's actions. Right. Like, so I don't know. It's, um, I do have to say, though, like the idea of like sexuality and and being OK with certain things or even like trying certain things, like I still feel like I kind of am working through some of that. Like um, so those things run deep. Yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to take a long time to to really unpack it all.
0: Yeah, I think like it's. um, I don't want to speak for my wife, but I know that she's also got hangups, way more hangups than I had. Right. And I think that's a common thing. And it's, I, it's an overemphasis on the girls being like the, the guardians of virtue Mm -hmm. and, and, and not being treated as a sexual being, I think is another thing that is, I uh, like, I don't want to speak for women, but I think that has got to be the weirdest part is that your sexuality is never acknowledged because it's never acknowledged. You never know what to do with it. I don't, what do you think?
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think to a certain extent that's right. And I think it gets, yeah. Sometimes a little, I know in my, the circumstance with my, with my husband, like it's, um yeah, it's been interesting because sometimes if he is like more sexual, I'm kind of like, Oh, like still kind of like, that's not a nice Mormon man or whatever. Like it's kind of weird, but it's totally fine. But it's like this weird, like deeply ingrained something mm-hmm. that still is there, even though I'm completely okay with it. It's yeah. really bizarre. Yeah. yeah. It's really bizarre.
2: Yeah. I, I know for me, I mean, with all of Mormonism taking it apart, I have to refigure out like, what were the weird cultural things that are stuck inside of me? yeah And what are the things that I'm like, you know, I like that, you know, like my parents did a good job with that, and that's not like a weird Mormony cultish thing, mm-hmm. and you know, taking it apart and trying to figure out what do I keep, and then how do I get past those hangups? because some things it's like, I know it's not weird, I know like this should be you know okay, and I should be comfortable with this, not even just with chastity things, but just with like life being like i know it's not wrong to you know drink coffee but being like but it's still like somehow like feels like i shouldn't you know and y- like trying to just work through all of those mental blocks uh on on your way out the door and i mean i feel like that's kind of the point of this podcast is to work through those and just work and through have the box conversations yeah yeah
1: I think that's true. Like when you leave Mormonism, you really deconstruct, you like just pull out all the bricks and then you kind of have to figure out how to put the foundation kind of back together and figure out what actually feels right and works for you, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's been interesting. And it's interesting to hear your perspective um, coming at it from like having a woman's experience in the church, because it definitely is totally different because I mean, even the rules for like campouts are different for guys. Like, guys can go pretty much wherever, as far away from home as they want for camps. But then girls have like a radius, you know. Oh well, yeah, there's. Oh, do you know <laughs> what? We can I have don't... a whole like, other
1: podcast, on... many podcasts about women in the church. church and and all and that stuff. But, yeah, in double standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Sure. Like the
0: the one reason that I was always given because it would be like like we do these tough camps, right? And then the women would, or the girls would go on uh, the young women's camp and they'd stay in cabins and they didn't do anything really. They like knitted and what? And I'd be like, what a freaking ripoff. I'm like getting blisters hiking and blah, blah, blah. And the girls are just hanging out in cabins and going boating in the lake. My mom's like, well, menstruation, son. And I'm like, what? It's like, well, menstruation attracts bears or something like that. Like, I don't know.
1: What? <laughs> I don't know.
0: Tampons <laughs> and not. Uh,
1: that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. and, then, and
0: then, like, you could probably just have a bunch of, you know, relief society older women be like, Is that right? And they'd be like, Yeah, menstruation. That's why girls can't go in the woods. They've got to oh, be in cabins I haven't and, heard
1: that one. You know. That's hilarious. Well, <laughs> oh, you probably get them gosh. all.
0: A bunch of, you know, six year old women in relief society just nodding their head along with that. Cause, you know, probably 100 years ago, the first young women's president said, Hey, why can't we do the same stuff as the boys? And some, Bishop just said, Oh, you know, Menzies. And it's just been <laughs> passed down from generation to generation, right? Well there's a lot of like I think now because- I know
1: now I know Bishop Jensen. I always wondered why we couldn't play <laughs> sports and stuff on our young woman nights and Menzies. had to cook and, yeah, anyway. Spoken oh like
0: any anytime a man doesn't understand a woman, it's just Menzies. <laughs> right? Like that yeah. oh hormones are Menzies. That's the Um, and so I think when you've got a lot of nonsense rules in the church, you just go for more and more nonsense kind of justifications. Right. And they Mm -hmm. just, I'm sure you could just hear the same one. Like, why can't I wear this, uh, skirt, uh, guy will rape you. I like, I don't know. There's no real reason why you can't do this. So I just got to come up with something insane so that you shut up and leave me alone. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Which is interesting. The, on the justification, end of things. I had that conversation with my mom where she said, you know, yeah, we she's like my generation doesn't have any answers because uh the previous generation, my mom says, when she was growing up, because was a sufficient answer for kids, right? right? Yeah. Like she would ask a question of her parents mm-hmm. and her parents would just say because, because, because. And then she grew up and then she did the same thing for us. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, well, my mom doesn't know the answer, so I'll just Google it, right? <laughs> like, I'll, I'll go get the answer. And now there's this this thing where it's like those excuses like that don't work anymore. Like people mm-hmm. are like, oh, I'm wondering about this. Uh, yeah, uh, it's because of the menstrual, menstrual cycle. And then people are like, well, let me actually find out. Oh, interesting. I had no idea about this in church history, you know, and then go yeah, down the yeah. rabbit hole. <laughs> And so I think it's, mm-hmm. like, it's important with, with Chastity, what you're talking about, about, like, historically, like, with property and, you know, transferring that and trying to maintain control and, you know, whatever. Bureaucracy, right, <laughs> is, the, is the reason, I guess, maybe. And so then, you know, now, if you deconstruct it and you're like, wait a second, like, we've got pretty good contraceptives, right, right? and we know that you know this intimacy like sexual intimacy is part of healthy relationships at any age uh, except for i guess children and important clarification <laughs> <laughs> for consenting adults <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know being able to like address it and actu- have actual conversations where it doesn't just come down to, oh, well, I mean, God said so, right? Like, that's not really a great excuse. Even even in the church, like, that doesn't really work for people. Oh, well, well God said so. It's like, yeah, mm, okay, but, like, why would he say that, right? Like, can you give me some more clarification? And they're like, oh, well, the nuclear family, you know, husband and wife and two kids, and I'm like, listen— I can imagine a lot of homosexual couples having a lot better time raising kids than a lot of straight couples that I know. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I, you know, I, I think once you start digging deeper, you know, maybe it's time to re uh, take a take another look. At, For sure, at I think the law of I chastity,
0: the way the church has handled the sexual revolution, I think shows. That there's no profit at the helm because mm-hmm. you you need these ch- rules of chastity when you've got like a small agrarian society or a small um, kind of tribal society because the biggest burden on one of those groups would be a bastard or illegitimate child right it's like oh this woman's got a baby who's responsible for it uh, not me I didn't do it I didn't do it right. So you've got to establish marriage. One is a way to transfer property. Two is a way to make sure that kids get taken care of. Hmm. Right. Well, now you take child, you know, uh, pregnancy out of the, the equation of sex. And it's, oh, yeah, the only reason to keep following these rules is because God said so. But we've taken the consequence out of sex. How do we navigate this new world? The church isn't the ones, you know, talking about sexually transmitted diseases and consent and all these things that we've kind of learned, um, as a society, as we've, you know, lived in a world with contraception, where was the church, you know, kind of pioneering and being on the front lines of that? They just regressed further. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, how much more do we have to say about, all this
0: I don't know sister you got any thoughts for us
1: I don't know (laughs) there's so like there's so much to unpack really yeah um yeah I I just think there needs to be an overhaul basically and and yeah how we talk about sex at church Mm -hmm. and actually start talking about it because in Christian in Christian um groups and, and churches in general like um I think again statistics like I don't want to get quoted but a lot of people who aren't who don't get sexual education are the ones having children at young ages without getting married and if that's like the worst thing ever then what are they doing to prevent that from happening right mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah yeah I don't know yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I I read common statistics, and I think that would be that was a shelf item for me. Was looking at oh places with more sex ed have less teen pregnancy, and it was also like the age of first sexual experience was higher than places that go abstinence only. So yeah, I was like, the church condemns the thing that actually fulfills its mission and objectives. This is weird that they're just retrenching and not you know, letting the evidence lead them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, I do think, you know, when we look at, I'm thinking I, I keep circulating like back to things like church history and like polygamy and polygamy mm-hmm. that Mormons believe in and the hereafter. And, you know, it, again, it all comes down to, yeah, sex and having babies. Like that's really what it is. Right. Like,
0: have have you seen the Netflix series on uh on the Branch Davidians and David Koresh? Mm-mm.
1: I haven't seen that yet.
0: Okay. So like David Koresh was basically like a modern day Joseph Smith has this compound, marries everybody's daughter and wife, uh, you know, very, very similar. So institutes his own kind of polygamy. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm watching this series, there is a bunch of men who are trying to leave the compound, but they won't because their wives are now married to David Koresh and their wives won't leave or their daughters won't leave. Hmm. And so when you first find out about Joseph Smith's polygamy, it's easy to get really, really fired up about he's married 14 year old girls and, you know, and this is and marrying other men's wives. And this is, he's such a pervert and on and on. Yeah. Maybe he was a pervert, but when I saw that series and how none of the men could leave because he controlled all their wives and daughters, polygamy was never about sex it was always about control Hmm.
1: yeah
2: Hmm. yeah that's interesting yeah which doesn't make it right and I think I think the the funny thing about this conversation we're talking about like the way the church should talk differently about chastity and and teaching sex ed but I'm sitting here thinking I'm like but it still wouldn't make it true (laughs) you know I'm like I'm like I still wouldn't go back even if they no. if they changed I that. hope I
0: hope the church overhauls nothing, and I actually hope they retrench forever <laughs> i I hope they do because over your like that's how you get people to leave
2: right. I don't right.
0: want the church to evolve and get better. I want right. the church to be the same stupid church it's been and <laughs> and to continue to destroy itself and and eventually just continue to to go into the background of obscurity and your irrelevance, the more it becomes like the church of Scientology, the more it becomes like the Jehovah's witnesses. I think the better become crazier, become worse, become more terrible (laughs) and give everybody a reason to leave.
2: Oh man.
0: I don't know why John DeLand and Bill real are like, let's save the church. If the church could be more transparent, if the church were better at this, don't make, I hope the church improves on nothing. Well, I hope. (laughs) because <laughs> why do people leave because they were hurt right i want people right. out of the church as fast as possible if you know, that means
1: what, what's sad but, about that though andrew is i think that like there's a lot of people who are hurt but they just continue to stay it doesn't take them getting hurt to leave that's the hard part is like it's it's complicated right like yeah
0: i like i yeah you i'm know? oversimplifying but i i know yeah. that it is hurting people but i don't it's
2: okay yeah, yeah. If I, I
0: could, like it's kinda of, it's okay, the church gets better and now people are dying death of a thousand cuts. They've they've sure elongated their ability to perpetuate harm on more people. If they retrench, people get hurt more, but people leave faster, would be
2: my Right, right. And I, if it yeah
0: tries to get better, it gives people more of a reason to stay. And and then they just keep staying. It's like you know the abusive husband who stops drinking but still hits. I uh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. No, I I I, I,
1: I, <laughs> I totally get it. Like there's nothing that would make me go back. Like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like they could change a lot of things. Like yeah. Do I? Because the thing about it is you have to believe full heartedly and able to be able to fully participate in the church, right? Mm-hmm, and full yeah. participation means having the temple recommend. Yeah. And so yeah, there's I couldn't answer those questions the way they'd want me to. Like
0: Mm -hmm. if they made oh sorry.
1: No, that's go ahead, sorry.
0: If they made room for people like us or like other people who could be who are less committal, even then would you want to go back? If they tried to make it more comfortable for I would love to know
1: how they would do that because there's so much that there's so much power that the church gets from actually causing division, right. The yeah, us versus right. them and us being special. So I don't know. I, I'd love to know how they would make that work. I know there's been, it, have there been some new articles or something released recently? Oh. I saw about like, if you have friends who are questioning the church, tr- I don't know. series that they've, And I don't know if that's like their half-hearted way of like, trying something I don't know but it just kind of makes me laugh because I'm like this isn't doing anything like I feel like it further entrenches this division actually
2: right right. yeah and it's still like it still doesn't make it true right and yeah I think you know maybe if there had been room for that questioning and stuff I would have stayed just for the community aspect but now that I'm out of it I'm like well (laughs) no I'm gone you know and yeah. and I, I think about when I think, oh, it would be nice if they changed the way they talk about it. I think of nieces and nephews and siblings and stuff that are still in the church and fully active and aren't going to leave no matter what the church does, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's, that's who I think about, although I do appreciate your soapbox there, Bishop, uh, Really appreciate your pulpit pounding (laughs) energy that you, that you brought to the podcast.
0: (laughs) Like, I think I talked about it uh, like a few weeks ago, like that your stages, if the church is a building and then you realize it's on fire and you get Mm. out of the building, first thing you want to do is throw water on it and try and save it. Next thing you want to do is throw gasoline. And then the last thing, the last stage is you start toasting marshmallows, (sighs) right? Like you just enjoy watching the dumpster firing. (laughs) Like look at this baby burn. And I'm kind of in between I'd watch other people throw gasoline. I'd love watching the church throw gasoline on itself, but I do love toasting the marshmallows yeah it just but i do, I have no desire to see it save itself. I just every time uh. i I hear about a nut more bad news in the church I just I get a little smile on my face <laughs> because it is like the old Testament's got that scripture that your sins will be shouted from the rooftops. And I remember living in fear of that of coming to judgment and everybody having to know all the bad things I did. And now it's come full circle and it's on the church and all the bad things they do are being shouted from the rooftops. And they're not this silly gimmicky kind of uh partridge family image of the American nuclear family. They are this messed up dysfunctional corporation, corporation mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it, And it's plain for everybody to see now. And it just, Oh, I just love toasting marshmallows on that. I
1: have have to, I do have satisfaction. Like, you know, on the news, the, um, uh, I can't remember his first name, but Huntsman who's suing the church right now for 5 Yeah, million. I'm like, sing it loud. Please sing it loud. They have billions and billions of dollars and the humanitarian aid that everyone's so excited that they do is like throwing 20 bucks to your friends. Like, Go fund me or something like oh, it's yeah. it's like so minuscule for the actual right. impact that they could have. So, yeah. Yeah. I, when I see things like that in the news, I'm just I, oh, I yeah. relish in it. I gotta, I, I gotta feel yeah. bad, but I do. Toast.
0: No, I don't feel bad at all because I think about the damage that it's done to me and I just yeah. burn the whole thing down. I'm here to toast the marshmallows. <laughs> let's just let's all, you know, pop a bag of popcorn on this dumpster fire. And just watch it burn itself out.
2: Hmm. Um, right? And And I'm just trying to walk away.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like that's the last stage is you walk away from the dumpster fire, but I'm just, sometimes I just have too much fun toasting marshmallows.
2: Yeah. There is something deeply cathartic about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: that's the word cathartic for sure.
2: It just feels, it feels good. It's like, Oh, well, you know, I hate you. So have fun. <laughs> like it's like it is. It it, it can be very satisfying. Um, yeah. Do we do we have anything else else we want to add, or should we should we end on that high?
1: I think it was pretty good.
2: <laughs> I think so. And I think I think Bishop Jensen is frozen. There is he frozen on your screen?
1: I think so too.
2: Well. <laughs> Oh, is he coming back? Let's see. This will all be in the podcast. I, I do very little editing to this. Oh, he's gone. And he's gone. Well, uh, thank you very much. I guess we'll <laughs> wrap it up. Uh, thank you very sounds- much, sister, for, uh, for joining us. Do you have any, any closing thoughts, any marshmallows you would like to roast on the dumpster fire?
1: Oh, I feel like I've shared my tidbits here and there.
2: Fantastic, and Bishop just messaged us. He says his Wi-Fi is down. Oh dear! Um, yeah, so so sad, so disappointing. But I guess um, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you for like bringing a different perspective to this conversation. Uh, we kind of went all over the place, which is kind of we did kind of the point of what we're doing. It's to work through things, and so I just want to say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.